This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast, powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. It'll work crisscrossing with Jost. Right in, turned out by Jari. That was a one-on-two. And Jost. McKinnon. The best avalanche coverage in Denver. everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche Podcast, presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you don't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 order for all your parties. Have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. I'm your host, AJ Hayfley, uh, riding solo tonight, so if you were here for Adrian or Jesse, bad surprise. Otherwise, let's hang out. Let's talk some good stuff. It's been a, this was about as good a night as it's been in a long time for Avalanche Hockey. Let's just jump right into it. Uh, tonight's Colorado Avalanche beat the Edmonton Oilers 6-2. 6-2. to two. Six to two. And I'm going to dedicate this first segment towards talking about how things started out for them and focusing on the two part of that 6-2 scoreline. Not a great start for Colorado. Again, uh, back-to-back starts now. You know, they opened up against the St. Louis Blues. Uh, They gave up a goal just a couple of minutes into the game that they were lucky to have challenged and called back. Uh, with the offsides call, and then uh, did actually give up a goal that counted a few minutes later. They were outshot 15-2 in the first period, eventually clawed their way back into that game. Got the point, lost in the shootout, but still salvaged a very, very important point in this playoff race. And then come home to play the Edmonton Oilers in the process of losing to St. Louis in the shootout. That point that the Avs got eliminated the Oilers from playoff contention. Connor McDavid... Went on uh, on the record after the team lost in Vegas last night, basically saying, "I mean, it was it was as upset as the robotic McDavid has ever been for him. That was absolutely what you would consider an outburst." Uh, basically said, "This isn't. I'm I'm pissed off, and this isn't good." And you know, I expected the Oilers to come in. Not so much as a beaten down team, but as a as a team with a little something to play for, with some pride on the line, and wanting to show that hey, you know they they're not they're not thrilled about this. They got out in the first period and jumped out all over the Avalanche early. Uh, got racked up an eight to nothing shot advantage. You have to be disappointed by that part. Uh, I mean, there's really just no way around it, right? You have to be disappointed by the fact that Colorado got off to. A second consecutive slow start. And uh, Jared Bednar had a funny point after the game in which he said, you know, it was all, you guys were all talking about our slow third periods. We get the first goal eight games in a row, and you guys are all talking about third periods. Now we give up the first goal, and now here here you guys are talking about first periods. 
Well, you know, coach, if you guys would just score all the goals and would never get, would never, uh, would would never take your foot off the gas, and you just dominated teams for sixty minutes, we wouldn't have to talk about anything except you guys dominating. But as Bedner pointed out post game, and as I frequently point out on this program, uh, there is another team on the ice. There is an actual NHL team on the other side that is also taking part in the festivities. It is not just Colorado out there dictating what does and does not happen. That said, when you're playing for that uh, the desperation of a, of a playoff spot, you need every single point that you can get. Coming out as flat as they did against Edmonton, on home ice, no less, you know, you can make the argument, okay, well, St. Louis was amped up in their building and road period and blah, 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 blah. You can make all the excuses in the world that you want and try and talk yourself into that. Uh, for Colorado tonight to have come out the way they did against Edmonton, it's just not good. Not nah, it's not good enough. Especially if you're serious. I mean, you're talking about them made, not even just making the postseason, but if a team wants to make the postseason and maybe win a round or two, you know, at least put a scare into somebody, you're going to have to figure out how to start games on time. And granted, it's just the two games. It's not like slow starts have been uh, a super common thing for them lately. It's just that you know, right now this is this is how it's gone. Uh, the last two games, and and it's not so much that they've started slowly. Like it's one thing if you get outshot ten to seven and you're kind of blah, um, and and the first period is sort of a feeling out uh, period for you on the in the game, but getting outshot fifteen to two in St. Louis and then eight to nothing by the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, that's just embarrassing, you know. And then the first goal. The first goal is not one uh, that I'm going to put anything on Semyon Varlamov, which, hey, Semyon Varlamov got the start tonight. Philip Grubauer, after eight consecutive starts, needed the night off. Uh, Varley told me post-game that Bednar uh, let him know on the plane last night back from St. Louis that, that Varley would be getting the net tonight. Varley said it was tough. You know, he hadn't played in a while. His last game, March 15th, against the Anaheim Ducks, a 5-3 loss by Colorado. After that game, Colorado was six points out of a playoff spot and sure looked dead in the water. Um, Since then, they haven't lost in regulation, and they've stormed back and put themselves on the precipice of a second consecutive playoff appearance. Um, I'll get to more of that later, but slow start for Varley, a little rust early on. Uh, he said that he felt pretty good about it. Edmonton was really just throwing a lot of shots at him from the outside, so he wasn't worried about the numbers so much. Uh, he was able to see the pucks pretty cleanly. His tracking was fine. He felt good about it. Their first goal, admittedly, was just a really nice tip. Uh, Milan Lucic, a puck that's headed, you know, Matthew Benning fires a fires a puck that's headed two feet wide of the net, and Lucic makes a, puts a great tip on it and redirects it in. It beats Varley. Edmonton goes up one nothing. Pepsi Center, a lot of the air came out of the the Pepsi Center with that goal, and then uh, it wasn't like it automatically turned around. You know, it wasn't like Colorado got going or anything. They really were not very impressive, to be honest with you. In response to that goal, Edmonton continued to skate. Edmonton continued to work, and then Darnell Nurse got hold of the puck a few minutes later, uh, carried it down to the goal line, and he throws a puck. In front of the net, and I say in front of the net because had Varley never touched this puck, it would have just sailed through the crease in the air. You know, the puck was about chest high, and it would have sailed through the crease 
in the air un, unscathed. It never it never touches anything. Nothing happens. It certainly doesn't end up in the back of the net. But Varley's goalie instincts kicked in. The reflexes, of course. And he accidentally deflected it in. It looked like it went off the inside of his blocker arm uh, and, and ended up behind him and in the net. And at that point, you're, you're saying to yourself, oh my god, why in the world is Varley in net? This guy hasn't played in weeks. His last start out, uh, you know, he got he got beat up by the Anaheim Ducks of all teams. What in the world is Jared Bednar doing starting this guy? Like, how? What, what's going on here? 2 nothing at the end of the first period. Uh, back-to-back slow starts. Varley's in net. He's down two goals. He hasn't particularly played well. Colorado very slowly started to find their legs after that 2 nothing lead uh, was built by the Oilers. They got onto the onto the board in, in shots. They started to find their legs a little bit in those last three or four minutes. And uh, I think the end of the first period shot total was 10 to 8. And in favor of Edmonton. And so, you know, 8 nothing start. Colorado pushed back. The problem was the 2 nothing on the scoreboard. You like that the Avs pushed back in shots on goal. You don't like that it was still 2 nothing on the scoreboard. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take my first break right there. Um, Semyon Varlamov, slow start to the game. Everything after that, though, everything came up abs, and that's why I'm going to dedicate most of the show to that. I do want to say slow start, a little bit of a concern, but again, you do have to recognize, as Bednar mentioned, post-game, there's, a, there's another NHL team on the ice, and those guys are pretty good, too. They're allowed to make plays as well. It's not just the avalanche going out and dictating what happens all the time. That's just not the way sports work. Okay, as promised, going to take my first break here. Uh, Come back on the other side, going to talk about the second and third periods, how everything turned around. Going to get into all of everything that happened tonight across the league. Going to get into Arizona, the Kings, the Senators, the Avs, playoff chances, the insane second period that turned this night around and turned it from potential disaster, one that we might remember a long time, uh, to, uh, I mean, a, a night that we might remember for a long time for a totally different reason. So don't go anywhere. It's the PS7 Avalanche podcast presented by Total Bev. I will be right back. Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend, and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. All right, welcome back in segment number two here of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Bev. I'm AJ Hayfley here by myself tonight talking about Colorado's 6-2 win over Edmonton. Uh, where we left off after the end of the first segment, Colorado was down 2-0 entering the second period. Not really riding any waves of momentum, not really looking very good. And then the Edmonton Oilers happened. Just 38 seconds into the second frame, Chris Russell gets called uh, for hooking Carl Soderberg. 
The Avalanche get robbed of a goal. Uh, Nathan McKinnon on the doorstep. Puck squirts to him, and he doesn't get all of it. Redirects it towards the net. Looks like it's headed in, and Edmonton goalie Miko Koskinen with a desperation glove save comes across, makes a miraculous save. And I don't think I was the only one in the building who sat back and thought, oh, God, this is Peter Morazic all over again when Carolina came, came calling a few weeks ago, and Morazic put up a career night, uh, making spectacular save after spectacular save and shutting out the abs that night. I thought they were in serious trouble uh, when that happened. And then Edmonton goes on uh, the PK, uh, another PK, Brad Malone, high sticks, Gabe Landeskog. Edmonton gets away with that one as well. The Avs were pouring on the pressure, though. This was not a, a classic... Avalanche power play that looked broken and lethargic and uninterested and a little too casual with the puck. They were imperfect, but they were absolutely providing pressure and and really leaning on Edmonton hard. Edmonton ultimately killed off those first two penalties, and as soon as Brad Malone stepped out of the penalty box... uh, he steps out of the penalty box and touches the puck before he before his feet have left the penalty box, and that forces him to go right back into the box for his second consecutive penalty. It was the long con, but secret double agent Brad Malone was activated at just the right time. Third power play attempt. Uh, Colorado was unable to get a clean zone entry. Things sort of stagnated. Landis Took a pass from Tyson Berry uh, up up at the blue line. Landeskog had it poked away. He, he gathered it back up again. And literally the only guy on the ice that was moving at all was Nathan McKinnon. Landeskog hit him in stride. All four of, of Edmonton's defenders were standing still when, when McKinnon hit the blue line. And look, Nathan McKinnon's faster than just about everybody in the NHL. Nathan McKinnon with a, with a head start, with a moving advantage... Like he's playing arena football and he gets to the he gets to the line just as they snap the ball against cornerbacks that are standing still. Yeah, it was no surprise that Nathan McKinnon teleported behind all those guys, just walked right through them. He was he was the hot knife. The Oilers defense was the butter. Sliced right through him with ease, beats Mikukoskin in a high on the glove side with that wrist shot of his, where he scored so many of his goals this year. That was his fortieth. First time he's ever scored 40 in a season. It was his 97th point of the year, matching the career high he put up last season. Great goal. Totally was a thunderbolt to to the Pepsi Center. Provided an absolute enormous amount of energy to everybody in that building. Just a jolt of life. And uh, from that point on, Oilers gonna oil, baby, because it was on... We're talking exactly one minute later. Tyson Berry comes, you know, Nikita Zadorov. Uh, we'll start. We'll start with that part of it because uh, credit for him on the great defensive play. Zadorov uh, gets the uh, gets his man behind the Colorado net. He races him, takes the puck, strides out of the zone, uh, strides out of the defensive zone, and and hits a, a, a Tyson Berry on the move in the neutral zone. Barry works his way through some traffic at the neutral zone, doesn't get stood up, doesn't get challenged uh, on the zone entry into the Edmonton zone. 
goes out wide, fires that wrist shot in there, beats Koskinen. 2-2. Just in that, in a span of 60 seconds, Nathan McKinnon, Tyson Perry changed the whole course of that game. They go from, it started to feel like after it was 2-0, it honestly reminded me of the night when Minnesota walked into to Colorado in Patrick Waugh's third season as head coach. And uh, it was a must-win game between the two teams that were fighting for the last last wild card spot. And Patrick Waugh's team folded like the French. Just absolutely disappeared. And to me, that became the defining game of the Patrick Waugh coached era. And it certainly was feeling like a very similar result here was on its way. And then McKinnon and Barry score a minute, one minute apart. It's two to two. The building is absolutely jumping. Star players are moving their feet. They're scoring goals and coming up with big moments. Everything, everything all of a sudden just flipped on its ear. And you got a stark reminder of why Edmonton is where it is. Uh, and, and yet again, I mean... <laughs> Didn't take very long. Two minutes later, uh, Eric Johnson with a with a pass to Matt Nieto. Matt Nieto with an absurd play to his credit, just an absurd play by him to 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 touch that pass between his legs like that. You know, I don't know if he knew Kerfoot was there or not, or if he was uh, if he was just guessing that he would be there because he this was a set play and he's supposed to be there. I'm not sure, but he would makes a great touch pass, and Kerfoot just bangs that sucker home. And just like that, in the span of three minutes, Colorado goes from down 2-0 to up 3-2. to The building is jumping. Everybody's freaking out. Ooh, baby, Colorado was back. And then the real highlight of the night. A couple minutes happened to go by. Nothing much happening. Abs break out of the zone. Matt Calvert hits Carl Soderberg. Uh, Carl Soderberg. Matt, Matt Calvert hits Colin Wilson. Blah. Matt Calvert hits Colin Wilson coming through the neutral zone. Wilson flies into the zone. He's got a two-on-one developing with Carl Soderberg on the other side. Uh, being defended by Connor McDavid. Colin Wilson decides, I'm going to test out that edge work. McDavid, arguably the greatest skater, skater in this generation. Uh, gets tested by Colin Wilson, who decides to drop the spinorama on him. Does it. McDavid disappears, gets gets thrown into the blender like tomorrow morning smoothie. No, 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 no. Shook him all up, spit him back out, deposited that blind backhander behind Miko Koskinen. Four, four to two Colorado, and at that point, it was time for Edmonton to get to step in. Abs had absolutely dominated that second period, just like they had in uh, St. Louis the night before, except the results matched the process in this one. In St. Louis, Colorado responded to getting outshot 15-2 by outshooting St. Louis 10-3. A good, solid response. In this one, Colorado responded to being outshot 10-8 in the first period and 8 nothing to start by going 15-7 on Edmonton. And from going being outshot eight to nothing and outscored two to nothing, to all of a sudden up four to two with a twenty-three to seventeen advantage in shots on goal, 
that's a reminder of why Colorado just might be doing a little uh, postseason party dancing. And Edmonton's going to be going home a little bit early yet again. Just might be one of those things. Ultra impressive second period response. I mean, can't 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 fault him, can't complain about it too much. I'm certainly not interested in sitting here and picking it apart. Hell of a game, hell of a response. Uh, you'd love for them to obviously have the stronger start, but if that's what's going to happen, <laughs> if that's if that's how you're going to respond to that kind of a start. Well, all right. I mean, just absolutely ran him out of the building. Third period got going, and early on in the third period, it looked like, oh man, the Avs are sitting back again. They can't. They they get a couple of scoring chances going the other way in transition. <sighs> Couldn't help but feel like, oh boy, they're gonna sit back and they're gonna let this thing get interesting. Alexander Kerfoot appears to have poked a puck home. They wave it off immediately. A little bit of controversy ensues here. They go over, uh, they review it officially. Toronto up in the booth says no goal. It was goaltender interference. Colorado looks at the replays on the bench and says goaltender interference. Nothing. Challenges the call on the ice. They go back to the review uh, the review system and it was determined uh, that even though Kerfoot did push the pad of Koskinen into the net, because he was in contact with the puck the entire time, an uncovered puck, and he was pushing the puck in while also pushing the pad in, that it was considered a good goal because he was directing the puck and not the pad as its primary point of pushing. That was not meant to be all that alliterative, but it just works out that way. When you're hot, you're hot, baby. So Kerfoot ultimately is awarded the goal. Colorado goes up 5-2, to two, seven and a half minutes into the third period. Uh, Kerfoot's second of the night and his 15th of the season. And just like that, Edmonton, whatever whatever thoughts Edmonton had about coming back, died on that review. They uh, basically packed it up, closed up shop, and said, <sighs> is it golf season yet? Colorado wasn't quite done. Tyson Jost had to go all beast mode. Uh, he had to outwork a couple of fools down low. Gabe Bork's late season uh, stats stats dump continues as he keeps uh, he keeps working his way towards trying to convince somebody give to give him another NHL contract next year. Good work along the wall by Bork gets the puck to Jost. Jost decides he's Godzilla. Takes the puck, roars, stomps, and breathes fire. Finds Finn Andrigetto open to the slot. Andrigetto makes no mistake. Ain't no puck bouncing on him that time, homie. Blows it by Koskinen. It's 6-2, and it was curtains after that. Can't complain about the effort there too much. Uh, just a really solid response. I was, I mean, I couldn't have been more impressed with the way the Avalanche decided. And hey... Like, I talked to Nathan McKinnon after they blew the 2-0 lead against Arizona, and he said, we had a decision to make. We could feel sorry for ourselves, or we could get back to work. And I feel like that attitude is a result is, is the result of a head coach in Jared Bednar who says, the past is in the past, and whatever happens, happens. All we can do is just move forward and try to keep controlling what we can control and, and, and get the next one. Colorado had every reason to feel sorry for themselves being down 2 nothing at home. Second night of a back-to-back, -back, they could have folded up shop and said they're not interested. 
and instead they breathed fire, baby. It was the kind of response that we haven't seen out of them very often in the last 10 years. It's why so many of us weren't expecting it. Even after last year's team, which was so resilient and just kept finding ways to make things happen, this year's team has been so uneven that it was it's hard to predict or feel comfortable about anything with them outside of you have no idea what you're going to get. And you could either find greatness or you could find total ineptitude. For the second straight night, they found a little bit of both. Tonight, they found a whole lot more of the greatness in the second half of the game. Their final 40 minutes were dominant. They blew past the Oils, the Oilers, excuse me. Uh, dropped a match on the rest of their season and said, uh, see you next year, nerds. And, uh, you know, got to booting them out of the Pepsi Center. So that's uh, 6-2. Colorado walked away with the victory. <sighs> the uh, the win dropped Arizona's magic number from 5 to 3. That was a combination then of any any combination of Arizona losing out on points or Colorado gaining points up to three meant that Arizona was eliminated and Colorado would make the postseason. That's where I'm going to leave off this segment. Next segment, I'm going to talk about just what happened in the Arizona-Los Angeles game, what it means for Colorado, what it means for Ottawa, what it means for the universe, and the future of life itself. Speaking of life itself, you've got to take care of yours got to take care of you and yours you've got to make sure that you guys have the good stuff and that's why i've got to tell you guys about what you already know because you guys hear this read all the time strava craft coffee the, the cbd enriched coffee that has absolutely helped change lives the reviews are incredible i know you've already checked them out it's taken that's helped to take away long-term migraines back pain arthritis and, and ibs cbd infused coffee okay it's all natural it's not psychoactive the coffee is rich and tasty we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners as you guys know because we recommend it all the time check it out for yourself today receive 20 percent off when you use the promo code bsn2019 at checkout you'll get it shipped straight to your door it does it for segment number two here from me on the other side we're gonna wrap this puppy up kick the can down the road See what's on the inside of it on the uh, other side, I guess. I don't know where I was headed with that. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Bev. I will be right back. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily. House-made smoked meats and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a 
full PA system ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands. We have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at moesdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Moe's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some most to someone because we cater to all needs. A family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. Welcome back in third and final segment here of the BSN Avalanche podcast. I'm AJ Hayfley. You know that already because you spent the first two segments hanging out with me already. Let's go ahead and jump into the third segment here. Where we left off, Colorado had won 6-2 over Edmonton. LA was getting ready to take on Arizona. The magic number for the Coyotes entering that game was 3. <sighs> kind of a dramatic night in the desert. The uh, Coyotes opened up with a grip of power plays. Outshot the Kings... Uh, basically three to one and just dominated puck possession and time of play. Jack Campbell, uh, Jack Campbell came up huge. Darcy Kemper came up just a little less huge. Los Angeles walked out with a three to one regulation victory, lowering that magic number for the avalanche all the way down to one. Now, what does the magic number mean? Magic number is just in case you are not already aware the combination of points that the Avalanche need to gain or Arizona needs to not gain uh, in the next four, or I'm sorry, in the next two games uh, in order for Colorado to clinch the postseason. That means if Colorado gets a single point against either Winnipeg or San Jose, they are in the playoffs. If Arizona does not win both games, both of their final games against Vegas and Winnipeg, Colorado is in the playoffs. Arizona needs to also uh, win in regulation both games uh, in order to uh, in order to get the uh, row advantage. As it sits right now, Colorado has one row on top of Arizona. Although if Arizona does only get the one uh, and they end up tying, they go to the second tiebreaker. Uh, which is head-to-head, and that goes to Arizona because of some archaic and insane rules about one of the games between the two teams this year not counting because reasons. The NHL is stupid, to be honest. So, okay. Um, Arizona loses in regulation. Colorado's, Colorado's magic number is one. The Avalanche welcome in the Winnipeg Jets on Thursday. Winnipeg has got a whole bundle of their own problems. Uh, Eric Comrie was their starting goaltender tonight as they have been dealing with uh, injury to their backup, Brassois. Connor Hellebuck um, probably will be available on Thursday. I think it's a fair bet uh, that he'll be available on Thursday. What's most notable, Winnipeg got beat down by Minnesota tonight, who was eliminated by the Avalanche uh, in the uh, in the process of Colorado beating Edmonton tonight. So were the Blackhawks, by the way. So in one in one 48-hour span, Colorado eliminated Edmonton, Chicago, and Minnesota from the postseason race. 
Executioners. Nice. Got a ring to it. So. Winnipeg. Loses in Minnesota to a team that's been floundering at the end of the year. And has not been playing particularly well. Uh, Minnesota finishes is, is on a 4-5-1 and one stretch right now. Uh, Winnipeg is on a 5-5 five and five stretch, so there's certainly no great shakes of their own. They are currently tied with Nashville uh, as they battle for Central Division title. Home ice. The chance to play Dallas in the first round and not Nashville or St. Louis. Um, the chance to raise a banner. I guess, if you care about that. <laughs> Um, what I'm saying is Winnipeg's still playing for something here. It's not all nothing. And they go into Minnesota tonight and lose 5-1. to one. And let me tell you, Minnesota, not a good home team this year. Not a good home team at all. And so for Winnipeg, which is still playing for something, and Minnesota, which was just pretending like it was playing for something, uh, for that result to be what it was, certainly a big disappointment for for the Jets, who have not really been very good in the second half of the season. Uh, plenty of reasons for concern there. Also, they held a 30-minute players-only meeting after the game. Uh, the longest players-only meeting that they have had since the team's return to Winnipeg. Now, those meetings are usually... Very instructive uh, for certainly for management on how uh, how big the problems are that they that they face. If nothing changes, you know you have a major problem in that locker room. If something major changes, then hey, your guys figured it out and they they you know they they had the tough conversations. The adults pulled everybody you know to the side and said. It's time to, it's, you know, they pulled that car over to the side of the road and they said, it's time for you guys back there to knock it off. We've got some driving to do. We've got some places to be getting to getting. And uh, y'all, y'all need to keep it down back there. And uh, I guess we'll see what the response is from the Jets. But their first opportunity to respond will be Thursday night here in Denver with the Avalanche, their final home game of the season, an opportunity to clinch the postseason. Kind of like last year, a win and you're in situation. Colorado had game 82. Uh, last year, this year, it's game 81. We have said over and over on this podcast that they cannot let it get to game 82 against San Jose. I don't care if San Jose is 1-8-1 and in their last 10 games. The Avs have won like three times in the last 20 tries in San Jose. Do not let it get to that. Colorado faces a win and you're in situation. Game 81 against a reeling Winnipeg Jets team that is coming off a players-only meeting. Now, I did have a brief conversation with one Avs player after the game and mentioned that Winnipeg had that brief, that, that meeting, and the response was more or less just a raise of the eyebrow, and good for them. So, no love lost. Going to be interesting to see how that plays out Thursday night. Um, the unexpected loss by Arizona tonight certainly moved up the importance of that game on Thursday, which was already a big game. Now it becomes a huge game because Colorado can clinch 
And if they do it without the services of injured forward Miko Rantanen, Rantanen can go ahead and continue to rest and heal up whatever body part may be ailing him right now. And um, hopefully be ready for the start of the postseason. I'm obviously assuming Colorado will get in at that point. The loss. What else does it do for Colorado? Well, it means that the Ottawa Senators are 31st place in the NHL this season. No matter what, the Ottawa Senators will finish dead last in the NHL. Uh, That is a coup for the Avalanche. They, when the Matt Duchesne trade was made, I mean, you can even listen to this, the, the, the episode of this podcast that I recorded, uh, which, oddly enough, also a solo pod, um, in which I talked about, hey, that, that pick is probably going to be in the late 20s, uh, or in the early 20s, or the late teens. Chances are, you're just it's just going to be a gravy train. Like, you're just going to be feeling good about it. They, uh, Senators had the option of it. They bottom fell out of the boat last year. They ended up with the fourth overall pick and they made the decision to roll the dice that they would be able to outpace themselves, uh, and get, and, and not end up with a top four pick two straight years. That gamble did not pay off. Colorado is guaranteed a top four selection. A couple of things here. First of all, just on a personal note, I can stop watching Ottawa games now. Thank the good Lord. Whichever one you pray to, that's the one I think. Because, my goodness, they are hard to watch, and I have watched a number of Sens games this year. And I know, for a fact, I am not alone. There are a handful of you right now, probably sitting at your desks listening to this at work, Nodding along sadly, realizing how many hours you wasted this season watching Ottawa Senators hockey. We're in this one together. Blood brothers. Blood family. I don't mean to assume your gender. I apologize. Moving on. The Ottawa fascination finally is coming to an end. We don't have to hate watch the Sens anymore. They are in 31st place. The only thing left to happen is the lottery next Tuesday. Now, that lottery obviously is enormous. Colorado can fall no lower than fourth overall like they did in 2017 when they finished dead last in the NHL and watched as New Jersey, Philadelphia, and to their horror, Dallas, leapfrogged them in which they ended up taking three players not named Kale McCarr, Neener, Neener, Boo, Boo. The Avalanche... Took Kale McCarr with the fourth overall pick just to drive home the fact that, one, that was a weird draft year in which the best players, there's a decent chance the best players from that draft end up being the guys who were drafted third, fourth, and fifth overall. That was Miro Haskinen, Kale McCarr, and Elias Pettersson. Two of those guys have battled for the Calder this year, and one of those guys is likely to become the first underage defenseman to ever win Hobie, the Hobie Baker Award next week while leading UMass to its first ever Frozen Four. Insane. Honestly, it's just insane. Everything everything right now for the Avalanche. I don't I'm it's insane. Next Tuesday night the draft lottery will take place. Colorado will have, thanks to the Ottawa Senators utter futility, 
they will have an 18.5% chance at the first overall selection. They will have a 13.5% chance at the second overall selection. I don't know if this is how statistics work. I've always been bad at math. I added those up and I got 35%. So 35% for me uh, for a chance at the top to, at, at the top two. They will have a 50.6% chance at the fourth overall pick. We have talked extensively about this year's draft class and how it is a very good draft class at the top. It is very forward heavy at the top. And there are two special players that have separated from the rest of this draft class. That's the money. That's where you want to be. You want to be in the first two picks of this year's draft. It's going to be enormous as potential to be franchise changing. It's not to say that the Avalanche won't have a shot at a special player at picks three or four. It's just that picks one and two are likely to be a combination of Jack Hughes and Capo Cacao. Both of those players are very likely to be in the NHL next season and, and be immediate contributors to whichever team selects them. We have already touched on this on the draft pods. We've touched on this on this pod. We're going to continue touching all about it as, as we get into this draft season. Jack Hughes, for me, uh, very reminiscent of Patrick Kane. Capo um, Cacao, honestly, the more I've watched of Capo of Cacao, the player he reminds me the most of is Peter Forsberg. And I don't make that comparison lightly in any way. I understand what a special uh, talent uh, Peter Forsberg was. But when I, when I watch Cacao play, that's who I see over and over and over again as i the the power the the puck protection the ability on offense the vision everything that he does is just it's just so special i don't know that he'll ever be on the level of forsberg for my money who is probably one of the 10 most talented players to ever play hockey ever and that's an awful lot to live up to but stylistically that's who he reminds me of Hughes reminds me a little bit more of Patty Kane, a future Hall of Famer in his own right. So that just goes to show you some pretty good players standing at the top there. Uh, Colorado will have an 18.5, just to reiterate, an 18.5% chance at the first overall pick. Uh, that's crazy. It's crazy that a team finishes in last place and the best chance they have at the... Uh, at the top pick is just 18.5. And not only that, but they have a 50% chance to move all the way down to fourth. Colorado has a 50% chance to move down to fourth. That's insane. So next Tuesday night will be the start of a very, potentially a very big week for the Avalanche. Uh, I put this in my article. I've also tweeted this out. It was pointed out to me by one of my Twitter followers. Um, shout out Jack Wilkie that... Colorado next week, Tuesday night could be winning the lottery, starting the playoff uh, run on Wednesday or Thursday uh, at the Calgary Flames, and then <laughs> Friday night watching their top prospect in Kale McCarr win the Hobie Baker before he goes and unleashes hell in the Frozen Four. There's also a possibility that when Kale McCarr's season comes to an end next week, which it most definitely will, uh, that if Colorado is still playing, that he signs with the Avalanche and he joins them in the playoff race, 
Jared Bednar has already said uh, after practice the other day, he believes McCarr could help them. Uh, should should Colorado make the postseason and McCarr's season ends in a in a manner in which they feel he could come in and help them in that in that timeline. Um, realistically, depending on where how far UMass goes, the Avs could be three games into their playoff series by the time he's finished. They could be one game into the playoff series by the time they're finished. Who kind of depends on scheduling, depends on how well UMass does. So it's going to be a very, very, very interesting week in Avalanche hockey, uh, assuming they make the playoffs. And I don't want to say assuming because that's that's how you mess with the playoff gods. And as much as I'm a jinxes aren't real guy, what's the upside in dancing with the devil, eh? So, you know, that focus on on thursday let's focus on thursday but there's no doubt that tonight has a chance to be one of the nights that we look back on and remember an avalanche history as a night where a lot of good things happened a lot of good things it's been an imperfect season it's been a frustrating season it's been a crazy ride i'm honestly a little stunned that the avalanche are sitting here one point away from making the postseason uh, it's it's crazy, but they've got to finish. They've got to finish. Up four points with two games left to play. You can't let this lead, the this this get away. Especially, I mean, you just you just can't. It would be especially brutal though to see Arizona have two shootout wins uh, to finish the season, where they would tie the Abs in points and the Abs would retain the uh, row tiebreaker advantage and still move on to the postseason it'd be great i mean it'd be it'd be cruel honestly especially for a fan base that could they could really use something going their way for once but no sympathy sports are hard life is hard should have won your own game so had a chance to beat la at home and you you booted it colorado had edmonton at home and they took advantage of it Connor mcdavid did not score any Connor mcdavid scored uh, absolutely nothing tonight and ended up on the, on the wrong end of a highlight real goal from Colin Wilson. Yahtzee. This has been the BSN avalanche podcast presented by total beverage. I have been AJ Hayfley. Thank you so much for listening. I'm looking forward to getting at least one of my co-hosts back at some point this week. Uh, crazy night. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for going through all of this season with me. With us from the BSN Avalanche crew, thank you guys. It has been a it has been a blast. I am so looking forward to the final couple of games of the regular season. Whatever happens will happen. We will be here. We will get through it together. We are a weird internet family. I have been AJ Hayfley. Thank you so much. We will see you guys later. <laughs>